Hello Cryptonauts, welcome to Cryptocurrency Chat. In the house today we have Mr. Jake Jabarelli. Just a bunch of referral links. Check out his YouTube channel, I'll leave a link in the description below. With that said, I'm your host, Blockchain John. Hello, Cryptonauts. Welcome back to another episode. This is a special, special episode because I have with us Mr. Jake Jabarelli. He has a YouTube channel that you can go check out. It's just a bunch of referral links. Right, Jake? That's right. All right, all right, all right. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Thanks, John. Awesome. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's nice to, uh, to hear from you. That's good. It's good. Hey, so you are living in California, right? That's correct. How's the smoke out there? Because over here, it's bad up. It's <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. pretty bad here too. So that's crazy, man. Yeah, that's not good at all. I know. I've seen the Bay Area. It's, it's, it was orange the other day, wasn't it? Yesterday, it was crazy all day. From the moment I woke up, I go, "Is it? Is it daytime? Is it morning or night? What's going on?" All day, it was just. It's, it's still kind of red today. Well, that's amazing. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. I mean, I've never seen that other than the photos because I got family there still, but it's crazy. It must be a sign from Satoshi himself up in heaven saying, hey, you know what? Bitcoin's going to dump. Don't worry. We'll be in the red for a couple of days. It's a time to buy. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Satoshi Nakamoto, let's start off with our first topic. Who is Satoshi Nakamoto? So in your, in your words, come on, uh, what have you gathered or in, you know, anything regarding Satoshi Nakamoto? Like who, what, he, she, them, they, corporate? federal government uh countries like what's your thing nobody knows who satoshi is but what's your two two satoshis on my two satoshis on satoshi um i don't think it's a person i honestly think that it is uh, a pseudonym and i don't mean a pseudonym in the sense of it it was a is a a presumed name for another person i think it is a fabricated name um, I think it is better that it left be left to the annals of time as a, a mythical creature or a mythical person that just doesn't physically exist. Kind of like the uh, silent partner in, uh, um, what is the name of that movie? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Um, ah. That it just be that unknown thing. And then actually that's fine for me because trying to find some, quote-unquote inventor for bitcoin i don't think it matters that's the fact that matters the concept exists we have it it is real i was gonna ask ask, do you think it matters to me i don't think it matters because like i i i spoken to you before in regards to when i read satoshi's bike paper it wasn't bitcoin itself it wasn't satoshi itself that said oh my god i need to get into bitcoin no it was blockchain technology that made me go, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I need to get some Bitcoins. It was blockchain tech. And it's once Satoshi put it out there, it's there and it's not going away. It's changing the world forever, regardless of what people say. For years and years and years, governments, banks, politics have all said, you know what, this is good. Just, it's, just, it's just a fad. It's just going to come and it's just going to go. Uh, but guess what? couple years later all of a sudden they're trying to make new policies new laws new regulations to start creating cbdc's you know um same thing with governments countries everybody's in the race to see who can create the first cbdc that's stable enough to can 
can make their economy, their countries become more stable, more richer. Yeah, the, the concept, it's interesting. Um, I can't think of the name of the famous, uh, I want to look him up real quick, but uh, famous uh, economics professor. My dad used to talk about him all the time. Um, I can't think of his name at the moment, but he won the Nobel, the Nobel Prize for, for economics. Uh, said that, and I'm, I'm gonna need to, I need to find the name, but I will get back to that. Sure. Uh, sure. That he said that, and he, in an interview, I believe in either 1975 or 1972, it was in the 70s, uh, that there needed to be a thing like blockchain existed. Now, he didn't call it that. He called it like an a, uh, electronic currency. That was what he was just defining. And he really, as best I can say, defined the idea of blockchain 35 years before it came into existence. And his idea is what blockchain is today. And he said it would, yes, it could be used for, um, you know, nefarious purposes, but that doesn't matter because the way that tech, that uh, finance was going at the time in the seventies, uh, he said, there's so much rampant abuse of finance as it is right now. We really need a way to get it out of the hands of those who would use it to not just control people, but harm people. So, like I said, I'm gonna, I'll, at some point we can maybe talk about this in a future podcast if I can actually line it up. But I didn't actually think about it until oh, uh, Milton. Oh, what is his name? It just came to me. Um, Milton Friedman. Yes, that's his name. His name popped into my mind. Um, Friedman. Friedman. Yeah, Milton okay. Friedman. Uh, and yeah, so Nobel Memorial Prize in Economics, 1976. Um, but uh, he he was this you know brilliant econ economist who just understood money, kind of the way mm -hmm. the Oracle of Omaha does. Um, and he, uh, he just said, we need an e-currency. We need a way to get money out of the hands of government because they're abusing it. And that is blockchain. Blockchain is out of the hands of government and into the hands of the people and literally and what he would use it. And the nice thing, of course, about blockchain, although we are seeing some problems with, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, the 51% attacks still happening. I mean, whenever somebody can get a hold of 51% attacks, of course they're going to attack the network. But uh, for the most part, like with with Bitcoin, you can't do that. And every single algorithm owner, you know, anyone who's created an algorithm is always trying to get away from the 51% attack. There will be other format attacks in the future that aren't 51%. But the point is to keep this available to everyone and that no one group or government has control over it in that way. Everyone, it's fair to everyone. So what do you think would happen if the real Satoshi Nakamoto came out and proved their validity by signing the original um, Coinbase blocks? Um, I don't even know if that would make him legit because there have already been a couple of people who've made the claim of being legit. And I don't know that... I, I, maybe if it's a, like the discovery of, Bit, of Bigfoot, like we actually confirm, oh, Bigfoot's a real thing. Well, that would be real. Or alien life is a real thing. That would change the way uh, people would look at, at their realities. But I don't think it needs to happen. But I mean, if it did happen, and if he could somehow prove it, I don't even know if it would make things any better. I think 
of course, play people didn't go to him like a guru and like, oh, wow, you made this great thing. I would hope that like the guy who created Litecoin, that he would go and just say, I'm divesting myself of all association with this so that it can truly belong to the people of this planet. So I would hope that person that was so altruistic as to give this gift to us would be so would be conti continually as generous as he already was. Right, right, right. So yeah. Satoshi, according to what I'm reading online, Satoshi holds roughly 1 million Bitcoin. Wow. Okay. Didn't know that. That's a, that's a, that's <laughs> a, a lot. That's a, that's a lot of Bitcoin th yeah. that can. It's a billion if, dollars. If, if Satoshi had nefarious purposes, dumping a million Bitcoin within the market would create disaster would create disaster. That's, I think that's what the fear is of if the real Satoshi came out and signed that wallet. Mm -hmm. That means that technically that person or persons or an AI can extract those Bitcoins out of that wallet, dump it onto an exchange and just crash the global economy. Because now uh, from what I read, I think it was like a couple of days ago or last week, uh, I read that uh, Bitcoin is now technically the number six world currency. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I did not know that. That's crazy. If a million Bitcoins jumped into the market right now, it would cause massive harm. It would, it would definitely change things a lot. Um, it would drive the price down since, you know, it's what, there are how many Bitcoins are we at? Uh, nearly 19 million right now? Yes. Okay, so... 1 million out of that 19 million were dropped in the market that then it, it shores up or it expands the availability, right? So yeah, the price would probably drop. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna jump over to CoinGecko right now and check out how much uh, coins were circulated in the past 24 hours. Let's see here. Circulating max supply. Wait, diluted, da 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 da. Trading volume, $83 billion. That's a lot. Let me see. Um, yeah, current circulating surprise is 18.5 almost uh, million coins, uh, bitcoins. But that's that's not the amount of, of bitcoins within the exchange, is it? I'm sure there's a lot. There's 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 a lot within cold wallets, right? The maximum. All right. No, I don't know how many. This is what just the circulating supply is. I'm, I'm guessing that's as many as are available right now. But uh, the total of it was isn't it 21 million. That's the cap. It's it's 21 million. But but keep in mind that a lot have been lost to time. That they're never going to be recovered. People through the throughout their computers or hard drives yep. they've lost their they lost their private keys yep. or they just been ciphered and then just been thrown into a um a coin swap account and, right yeah is what it is so that means there's even less available so that drives Absolutely. the price up even more it's just like what, what was the coin was it, you were talking about we were talking about urine earlier today um how urine it, yeah, yeah. its value went up so drastically um isn't it because worth over 30,000 per coin right now? So YFI yeah, YFI. is the ticker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's the 25th place. It is currently sitting at... Um, hello? Is it going to load? <laughs> I have it listed here on CoinPaprika at $33,188.74. Wow. That is crazy. That's crazy. 
But as you can see, the, circul the circulating supply max is 30,000. That's why it's so valuable. Well, it's just like 42 coin, right? You've seen 42 coin. 42 coin. Refresh my mind on 42 coin. Well, there's only 42 of them. <laughs> no, I have not heard of 42 coin. Well, look it That's up. That's funny. Yeah, just look it up. Look, look 42. 42 coin. I'm, I'm going to look at it, at it right worth, now. Worth uh, 35,000. Oh, my goodness. According to CoinGecko, thirty-seven. That's insane. Okay. Yeah, it depends on which that's exchange insane. you're looking at, but yeah. <laughs> that's. An, I don't understand how people think this is like. What do you do with this? What is? What is this? What is forty-two coin? Forty-two Don't actually know its purpose. I, I think it has to do with that. The uh, uh, what's his name? Douglas Adams. Way. Douglas Adams. Uh, meaning of life, the universe, and everything, which is forty-two. So. Specifications, max money, 42 coins, transactions. Okay, what is this? Traditional cryptocurrencies are more inflate with no features. What is it? Uh, fair distribution, extremely rare, deflationary, encrypt data, self uh, safe investment, high valued. Okay, but it doesn't say what is it? What does it do? What does it do? Come on. Oh, about, there we go. Let's check the about section. What? Block rewards, zero proof of stake, zero plus transaction fees. Proof of work, minimum, maximum stake, age, 42 hours, unlimited. Okay, so there's. That's weird. That's, it, has it, no it has no purpose. It has no, just it has no coin. purpose. Yeah. yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> How weird. So, do you think there's a possibility, a small possibility, I, I gave a hint to this earlier, mm -hmm. that Satoshi might be an AI, a deep brain, a deep web brain that has, just, ha, has been able to solve the mathematical algorithm because keep in mind that 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 cryptocurrency was actually in in the works for decades prior to when it came out in 2008 we're talking about 1970s people have been trying to think of this since the 1970s to try to come up with that but they can never figure out the true uh mathematical algorithm how to make this happen without um i, I basically they tr they they solve the proof of work the proof Proof of work, um, mathematical equation. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I I don't think it's an AI, but that's because AI is still not really true, art, truly artificial. Um, there's a lot of great facsimiles for AI, but there is no such thing, in my opinion. Even even Elon Musk has not invented, or his any of his companies has not invented true AI. Um, I don't think we'll ever see it. That's just my opinion, but. Um, no, I think Satoshi uh, uh, Nakamoto is a pseudonym for some uh, concept that the people who created the idea of, of the blockchain algorithm created, but I don't think he's a person. Nor is it, is, in my, this is my opinion. I'm not trying to knock down any theories anybody out there wants to have, or even any conspiracies that people want to have. Go for it. But personally, I don't think it's AI or, or human, so... It's just a, it's a, a name given to an idea. But somebody had to write the code. Oh, yeah. No, I'm certain. I'm certain plenty of people probably wrote the code for these blockchain concepts. Um, but uh, I don't think that Satoshi Nakamoto was explicitly a, an individual, per se. I mean, yes, it probably there might be a person with that name out there. But okay. um, I don't think it well, actually is. The one that we're talking about is the one that created blockchain. Okay, how about this? Do you think Craig Wright might possibly have connections? Well, it's been proven, obviously, he does have connections. Do you think he might be able to access 
that wallet, as he claims? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, if it, it may be possible, um, but if so, why not? Why hasn't he done it? No, because I, I don't think I don't think he, ha- he 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 has any of the private keys. I think he's full of BS. He's just trying to just that's that's my thing. He's well, he's obviously very much into the idea of crypto, uh, probably more than we are. But <laughs> um, I. I think that it is a ruse. I think it is the, if you really are who you say you are, you need to give us some definitive proof. And if you can't prov- provide that, then you're just blowing smoke. And that's not like <clears throat> people haven't done that before. Um, it is. It, some people think that uh, uh, all news is good news, whether it's bad or good, right? So, or, you know, all press coverage is good, regardless of um, yeah, how yeah, bad, bad it can paint a person. So, sure. Um, I think if Craig and Craig Stephen Wright has had a lot of like, like if he was involved in the development, the initial development of Bitcoin, maybe, maybe he has some some uh, tie to it. But if he is just as a lot of people seem to think he is, just a you know uh, a nutty businessman, um, I don't, I don't, I I doubt his validity in this case. So. Mm-hmm. so the Bitcoin blockchain was the first blockchain to come out, right? Then next, the next evolution of Bitcoin was obviously Litecoin and, and, and Dogecoin and a bunch of like other coins that came out. But the one that really did a big evolutionary step was Ethereum. Yeah, right? certainly. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Unless you know of a different blockchain that came out um, after after. Um, there's other ones. Uh, what was the other one? I, I think wasn't it Tezos that kind of started the DeFi concept? Um, oh, they had staking okay. Tezos. Was it was that like immediately after Bitcoin? No, that was much or, longer, much later. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardano, I know, was one of the ones that was more was a pretty big one for a while there. I know people were trading a lot on that, but I don't honestly know the explicit history of which coin made the biggest splash other than Bitcoin and Ethereum. Litecoin obviously for a very long time followed Bitcoin in its price, even though it never uh, you know, got as high as Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. The thing I always question is whether or not um, any other coin will ever come to the, vol- the uh, market capitalization equivalent to Bitcoin. I mean, Ethereum is the closest, but it's still roughly a quarter of that of Bitcoin. Um, and also, of course, because there's uh, a lot more Ethereum available, uh, you can't have uh, the price can never get as high. So you'd need a relatively restricted number of coins like Chainlink or something. Um, or actually even Chainlink is still a multiple factor with a 20 a factor of 20 higher than the number of Bitcoin that are possible. Um, I think Chainlink is limited to 350 million, whereas, you know, Bitcoin's limited to uh, 21 million. What we need is a limited availability and a super functional tool. Like Bitcoin, it's really expensive. We, we talked about this earlier that Ethereum was getting really expensive to send. Bitcoin is already really expensive to send. Um, we need something that's not stupidly expensive to send and it's relatively limited to the total number of coins 
mm -hmm. for it to blow up and be super valuable to even start contending with Bitcoin. So what do you, where do you see the blockchain technology going in the next like five to 10 years? Because obviously things are going to change drastically in the future. Is, is Bitcoin still going to be around? Is Ethereum still going to be around? I mean, Ethereum 2.0 is supposedly coming out tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and next week and next month, maybe next year, maybe sometime in the future. Like nobody, nobody knows. Um, well, stable coins have definitely made their mark. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I don't know. Uh, Ethereum has a lot of use, which is really quite impressive. Um, you know, ERC-20 and you know, all the other ERC-based uh, ideals. Um, Sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Uh, I'm not certain <clears throat> which will become the most used per se. Um, I think I may have forgotten the question. Ask me again. Sorry. <laughs> so, in other words, uh, so blockchain tech, what does it look like in the next five to 10 years? Like, what, okay, yeah, sorry. Which was... one which ones do you see? So, are, are you looking at CoinGecko or uh, was it um, CoinMarketCap? Like, what do you see in the top, like, I guess 100 coming up, remaining, and continuing continue to evolve within the next five to 10 years? Is there anything that's like, they're on your radar? I don't, I don't even, all right. So Ethereum is certainly there since I mine Ethereum, but we'll get to that later. Um, okay. The Ethereum has a definitive future for at least until 2024. And so at least from my business standpoint of, you know, I don't want to talk about it right now, but it, it seems like a, a good coin to hold on to for the near and at least I would say five year history uh, distant in the, in the future. Um, it has an awful lot of uses and I'm really impressed by the number of, of uh, secondary tokens and contracts that are following Ethereum. If anything, that's one of the main reasons, in my opinion, why Ethereum has grown to such great popularity and it overtook Litecoin's position as the, you know, uh, the sire to Bitcoin. Um, in fact, it's kind of destroyed Litecoin's position. <laughs> um, but, uh, in my opinion, bit, uh, not Bitcoin, but blockchain in general has immense use in our world. It as as the, the general concept of Bitcoin and you know, across the board here is, it's decentralization. It is cutting out the ownership factor uh, of how something works. We all have to work together in an open source manner in order to make uh, blockchain useful and functional in our society. Um, and we don't have to worry about a private corporation or a private government owning that, uh, uh, you know, tool and, and, okay, and but making up the rules as to how we use it. We as a society get to choose how to use it, which is amazing. Okay. It's, it's uh, uh, power to the people, you know, literally. So, so the reality is that governments, countries, banks, corporations – are moving in and they are dumping a lot more money than tech than technically what you see on the market right now. There's a lot more, there's billions of dollars, billions, way more than what you see this number here. Mm -hmm. There's trillions of dollars being dumped into blockchain technology behind the scenes. That's not, that's not involved in yeah. the market. It's not showing the market price value. Exactly. Sure. It's, it's an insane amount of money And this. I've known for shoot. Let me see when, 
2000, at least like 2014, 2015 is when I, when I found out that uh, uh, big banks were actually pushing, even though they were saying in the front end, Hey, you, you can't use our bank to buy Bitcoin mm-hmm. but on the back end. They're literally coding up uh, uh, their own blockchain. Yep. Hedging their bet, making sure that they can use it to their advantage while telling everyone not to. Yeah, I completely understand. So, so you, you are saying uh, Bitcoin cryptos are for uh, it's decentralized, but the reality is centralization blockchain is pushing forward and it is coming in and it most likely will overtake the small Satoshis that the average Joe is buying. It's mm-hmm. just going to flood over the market. I don't know if that's really, I mean, yes, the companies still want control. And there were a lot of things. One of the things I found most fascinating three years ago was um, some initiative put out there by FedEx and UPS and DHL mm-hmm. looking for a way of tracking packages throughout the world mm-hmm. without needing a middleman. I thought that was brilliant. I, I get it. There are a lot of middlemen out there who want to continue to make money off of uh, delivering packages for the big uh, you know, delivery companies or, or partial handling companies. Um, but this would give, you know, uh, kind of a, uh, I don't want to keep harping on the, the word essential. I want to think of another word, uh, independent manner of tracking uh, parcels throughout the world that wouldn't at, be as easy to corrupt. But the, the advantage and maybe disadvantage. There may be, you know, problems with with blockchain in general. But if you're giving the ledger of the list of transactions to everyone in the world or anyone in the world that wants it, and and no one is able to pin that down so that it's all controlled by only one entity, then you have uh, the freedom to continue to have these things available to everyone, and it brings the cost down. And because no one can, I guess the example I'm thinking of is the beers. You know the story of the beers and the diamond trade? No, go ahead, tell me. Okay, well, I'm not going to launch into a whole other story, but basically, the beers cornered the market on diamonds many, mm-hmm. many years ago. Um, and that's where we get the phrase, uh, you know, a, a diamonds, what was it? Uh, where they always say a diamond's worth two months' salary or something. They made that up. A diamond isn't worth too much salary. In fact, when they discovered diamonds, they were worthless. So, um, I mean, they were so, diamonds were so common at the time of the discovery of the De Beers company that, uh, you know, you can get a handful for nothing. You can just pick them up, just take them with you. So the point I'm trying to get at is that one company monopolized diamonds and made them appear to be super valuable when they were mm-hmm. never really super valuable. But there's now this history of them having telling us that you have to give a diamond to your wife or, or, or your spouse or whatever future spouse for their for a wedding gift. You don't have to. There's lots of other gems out there. There's plenty of other things you can do. You just do a gold band or a silver band or platinum, whatever you want. You don't have to give a diamond. It's, it's a false narrative that was generated by De Beers. Um, and this is the problem with centralization of technology. Now, I'm not saying that if you have a unique thing and you have a patent on it, that you shouldn't be able to keep that at least for 25 years so you can make some money off of it. But mm-hmm. um, to rest the hold of these things that are that should be publicly available to everyone from the public and making you say, no, no, it's me or nothing, you know, it, it's egotistical. 
that's that's um, it's honestly, in my opinion, detrimental to society to be to make yourself such an egotist and you're the only one that gets this thing. Now, I mean, if you invented it, I think you you should have the right to use it, uh, you know, to make some money off of it. But the thing that I found to be of interest was the way that people have um, discovered that to benefit society with um, a tool, you can still strive and survive within the society and make that tool and give it to the rest of the world. It is totally possible to do. A lot of people are scared of the concept. That doesn't mean it's not a physical possibility. So it, I'm predicting as your original question was, where is this going? Where is, is blockchain going to take us in the world? I think it's going to free up a lot of the previous controlled um, financial issues that you know businesses have been trying to to um, hold on to for so very long. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a changing society, it's a changing world. Um, yeah. And thanks to blockchain, in my opinion, I'm not trying to make like a final statement on this, but uh, we have these new tools to you know manipulate finance, to manipulate um, buying and selling for the sale of goods, the sale of non fungible goods, um, to expand the, our horizons of possibility in, in the world and to be, in my opinion, a little bit more open. Not, I'm not talking about privacy open, but I mean like, you know, uh, public business open. So blockchain is brilliant. And yes, I, do I know exactly what coin will be there in the future, which one will take over Bitcoin or if Bitcoin will still be where it is now in 10 years? No, I don't know. Um, I just hope that whatever we continue to do is just as open as it is now. You know, I thought a lot about this question over, uh, I guess, a couple of years, to be honest, um, on and off. And this is my conclusion of what I think is going to happen and what I've been telling people. And a lot of people think it's crazy, but I think it's more realistic than, than fantasy, that there's going to be a future where we're going to walk into the store, pick up a few items and walk out. Why do I say that? Because it, it, it exists now. Amazon. <laughs> there you go. Yep. But, but that's going to be based off of blockchain. Not only that, it's going to, uh, the AI cameras that are watching you walk into the store are going to say, hello, Jake. Hello, John. Welcome to the Amazon store. Um, go ahead and feel free. We have so-and-so on sale. And it knows, it, it, it links up to your phone, which we do a lot of things on our phone. We have all our interests, our likes, our dislikes. That store will be able to tell you, hey, your favorite chips, your favorite drink is over in so-so aisle. It's on sale today. Grab a couple of packs. And, you know, it'll, it'll tell you instead of wasting all – that's the biggest thing. And this is why Uber became what it became because it saved people time, right? Yep. Walking, yep. walking into the store, picking up a few things, having – the AI tell you exactly the moment you walk in, oh, you got your, your, your smart refrigerator is out of milk. It, it communicates with your phone, which communicates with the store. You walk in the store. Hey, I didn't have to think about it. You know, just pick it up and go. Not only that, you're going to you're going to jump into your smart card, your smart card. You're going to talk to your smart card, have it drive you to the to a gas station or to electronic. Um, what is it? What do you call those things? A charging device? You call it fueling Char- station. Yeah, just Char- call it fueling. Yeah, no, electric cars uh, it would be a charging station, but because we're still going to have gas and we're still going to have um, 
electric, we just call them fueling stations because it's going to be electric fuel or, get, or liquid fuel. Either way, it's still fuel. So, so you're going to walk up to this fuel pump, load up your tank, drive off. There's going to be no cashiers, I think, in the future. Not only that, as an employee going to work, there's going to be no boss. Your boss is the AI. Hmm. Is that too deep? Is that too sci-fi? Is that too fantasy? And, I, and the reason I say that is because it's already been proven multiple times over that the AIs that currently exist to, to um, compound data in regards to business infrastructure, they can do that way more better, way more clear, way more faster, and way more affordable than a human can sitting at an office every single day. I think that AI, as I have for the last 20 plus years in my work experience, well, well I mean, if AI can help uh, organize processes, then I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, I don't think AI will ever really overcome its uh, mechanical nature in the sense that the human brain, I, I don't even know if we could make it a computer that was comparable to the human brain in that sense. Uh, it's just not adaptable at the level that, that, human, that the human ideal is. Um, but the things that are repetitive, I mean, even within the job I currently have, uh, and I'm not talking about producing YouTube videos, but uh, <laughs> within my day job, humans do a much better job of uh, determination determining what needs to be next done. Uh, if a computer is given the tools to figure out uh, the most efficient thing that can be done next, yeah, it can probably do a pretty good job of that, even AI would. But uh, computers don't make good judgment calls because they don't know what judgment is. So uh, humans do a much better with the more adaptable ideas. Could you work for an AI computer? Yeah, you probably could. Um, but uh, would it be adaptable to the level that a human is? I don't think it will be, not for a long time. Maybe eventually, maybe I'm going to put a number on it saying 100, 150 years, but not in my wow, lifetime. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I, I'm completely the opposite. I think in our lifetime, we will see this only because um, what, what makes me really solidify my idea is, is looking at, and, and, and keep in mind, I'm not an AI engineer. I don't software code. I don't understand that. This is just off of my observation. And it comes to um, Boston, Boston Dynamic Robots. Yep, Boston Dynamics is a neat company. They make some cool, cool robots. So isn't that AI? Isn't that making judgment? Yeah. Oh, it's if, making if, simple judgments. <laughs> sure. No, about navigational. Yeah, it's doing that. I agree. <clears throat> that but being on blockchain, wouldn't that be fascinating? I don't know. I'd have to really give it more thought. I don't think I've really considered how, I mean, I guess what I'm thinking of is um, Transcendence, Johnny Depp in the movie, um, where he, you know, he uploads his brain. Well, his friends do it, but he gets uploaded to a computer. It's still the discerning uh, process of a human mind controlling a computer. Uh, if a human mind had the ability to control a computer and make the decisions of a computer to direct the computer to do the things that uh, a human brain couldn't do because it's too slow 
on, on those topics, then yes, I think that it could. But I don't honestly think we are going to get to the point where a computer can think on its own and make discernible decisions. It's just mm -hmm. my opinion. I'm not saying that you're wrong on yours. At, at this point, it's it's speculative. But um, sure, my opinion absolutely. on it is we will not generate we will only ever make AI that mimics humans and never really does think on its own. I don't think a computer anytime soon. I know that um, Isaac Asimov uh, postulated on these ideas 50 years ago. Um, you know, I uh, do androids dream of electric sheep or um, the, the three, was it three rules of robotics? Mm -hmm. um, th these, these concepts had to be invented if the ideas were possible. I don't think we're anywhere close to it right now. Um, would it be practical on blockchain in the sense of it, if AI were a thing, would it make things a lot faster and functional? Oh, absolutely. Assuming, of course, that the AI, AI were interested in humans at its core, if it was serving humans at its core. But I mean, we've seen so many different movies where um, Tron, the second Tron movie that was out, they, they talked about it and the problem with, with the, the character in that, in that storyline was that it wasn't fully interested in um, mankind because it, it, it was programmed to, to make the perfect system. But the guy who, who defined the concept of the perfect system was a hu flawed human. And so he, he, he got accidentally ousted from his own system because he couldn't tell this repetitive tool to not kill everything just to make it a, a, a perfect system. It was his flawed version of a perfect system pushed out to the nth degree. And that's where you have a failing. You know, um, I think a perfect system, if such a thing existed, could make a perfect system. But then you're already starting from perfection. You're not starting from human perspective. Um, I don't even, I'm not even sure humans could really truly make a, a good AI that would, 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 I mean, we're not really talking about uh, blockchain anymore, but um, I don't think it, it would work. That's just my opinion. But okay. All right. Yeah, I have actually, idea. I actually thought about this way back in high school. My best friend and I talked about this an awful lot to try to, to okay. hash out the concept of what AI be legitimately possible. And we, we, neither one of us came to the conclusion after a long period of talking about it, that it was actually legitimately happen so you know now that i think about it i think you do have some you, you you're right i think ai is obviously not clearly ready but what about with the integration with Neuralink? now it has millions of people cryptonauts all right millions of cryptonauts all around the globe linking up their brain which is human thoughts humans decisions into the network that will forever forever, forever, beyond your thoughts that you can even remember that, that decision that you made, that AI will always remember that decision, even way beyond your death. Well, you and I have that, that uh, we actually talked about this when we first spoke earlier today, was uh, we were both using Google Voice for our phones, and that Google Voice remembered all the conversations, all the text messages ever sent, every single phone call, every single phone received, not necessarily mm -hmm. the conversation, so I don't think we had it recorded, but... Um, it's still retaining all that data. I think that's incredibly useful. Uh, I, I don't necessarily need to know what I said 12 years ago, but um, if, I mean, even in a court case, you would pass the statute of limitations, you probably wouldn't need it anyways. But, you know, for the sake of reminiscing, 
it is kind of neat to go back and look at things. Um, but as far as being uh, connected to every other brain on the planet, let's assume, um, I'm not sure I want that right now. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but uh, I wouldn't mind the idea of being connected to a lot of people who are, are like-minded thinkers like you and I, when we think alike when it comes to, to crypto. So um, according to Elon Musk, according to Elon Musk, the Neuralink is set to be available by the end of the year or early next year. I think I think the Neuralink concept is in its extreme infancy right now. Oh, absolutely. But um, still, the idea that it's there and it's available and it's there's hardware available, it, it, it does exist. It officially exists where somebody can now technically put an implant in their brain and help help them if they have some sort of elements um, that, you know, some brain elements, I guess it's supposed to help them medically in that sense, but it also has the ability to connect into the internet, into the ethos. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I don't, I'm not quite sure how blockchain will play a role in that explicitly. And other than it just, maybe you can access it more quickly. Um, there's an ideal here that I think science fiction has painted a picture of that we're all heading towards. So the, the science fiction of the 60s and 70s, 1960s, 1970s, is becoming mm-hmm. reality of today. But I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that even Isaac Asimov or people of his day couldn't have predicted a smartphone. <laughs> um, the, maybe the pocket computer. I know a lot of them thought about the idea of having a computer fit in your pocket. Um, and that idea has been around since at least 1978, to my knowledge. Um, Star Trek, Star Trek. Well, no, I wasn't even thinking of Star Trek. I was thinking of the earliest pocket computers that I had in the, in the 80s. Um, I had mm-hmm. a, a, what I think is technically still called a personal digital assistant or a PDA. Oh, um, PDA, yeah. I had a PDA in 1987, I think. Yeah, 1987. It was a 32 wow. kilobit um, device with a with a uh, what uh, cream corn on uh, spinach colored screen, uh, mm-hmm. which, which <laughs> had very very limited functionality. It was very slow. It had no external uh, inputs, but it allowed me, in a sense, to make calendar uh, appointments and uh, write digital notes on a tiny little keyboard. Um, it was fascinating to me, and I still, to this day, have a huge collection of PDAs uh, because they fascinate me. Um, and in fact, I've, just on my desk sitting in front of me, I've got 12 smartphones. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the pocket computer. I love it. But uh, Do you really have 12 smartphones next to you? Yeah, I can send you a picture, but yes, I do. No, I, 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 literally, I literally have 12 phones next to me, too. Actually, technically 12, 13, 14, 14, 15, 16 phones. Okay. Well, we both like smart uh, <laughs> smartphones and tiny computers. That's crazy. Uh, the uh, the extent of it is not so much. It's a more of an obsession at this point. It's just something I think is neat. It's not so much I actually use them all because some some of them have broken batteries. They don't even work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the utility of that concept started a long time ago and people wanted this to happen. Like I said, I don't think Asimov would have ever known explicitly what was going to happen four years from then. I mean, that's a pretty fancy concepts back in the, in the, in the early 19 teens. Um, but a lot of what is predicted in that time period will eventually come to fruition 
because of the legend of it and or just the fact that somebody at that point is like, hey, we have the technology. Let's build that thing that that old guy from, you know, 40, 50 years ago was dreaming about. Um, the dream is not just that original person's thought. Everybody's having the dream. We're just continuing the thought. Um, and so as we progress in technological capabilities, we try to make those things become real, like the, I guess, the Star Trek tricorder. Um, eventually it will become a real thing. But we just, of course, need a, a purpose. Blockchain has such great purpose in itself uh, in that it, it allows, uh, like I said, a universal uh, coordination of all the people. And if you're, if you're going to relate it to the neuro implant concept of, of Elon Musk's uh, imaginings, I, mean, I know it's a real thing, but um, his expectation for what might come in the future is... Um, in my opinion, uh, uh, like a, a world mental net. I don't know if that's if that's what he's already defined in his uh, uh, you know new uh, what's it called product announcements. But mm -hmm. the eventual, I guess, possibility of having this neural net is all the brains of all the people who are connected, and eventually with the hopes that all brains are connected. Um, would give you access to an immense amount of knowledge. Uh, I, I can't even fathom how that would change the world uh, yeah. at this point. It, I, this th point. I, th I think it's highly possible only because once, first of all, it's Elon Musk. He's already proven over and over again that his vehicle is becoming smarter and smarter. The more vehicles are, are on the road, the more they're used, they're all communicating back to the network and becoming smarter and smarter each and every minute. Yep. That's the same thing that can happen with human beings. I mean, it's just all you're doing is just moving the computer from the, the vehicle over to the to the brain. Yeah. That's no, I crazy. see the reasons. I, 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 I'm sure that's the expectation to some degree. Um, I think that he may not realize that it might destroy his company. That I'm not saying this to be nihilistic. I'm saying that... Um, the way that blockchain works, I think at its core, is a decentralization, is a removal of the control of the company from the business model. So it's like, okay, if, as my previous example with FedEx, DHL, and, and uh, uh, UPS saying, well, we want tracking of packages to be decentralized, well, who's going to control it? No one's going to control it. Well, you could say everyone's going to control it, but no one entity will control it anymore. So third-party agents that are doing package transit will not exist because they can't. Um, so that destroys a market. Well, if you start connecting brains to each other, people are going to realize, well, some people are going to realize that they still want control. And so they may never, they may never connect the brain. Um, but those who were willing to, to jump into that pool uh, will realize that, uh, that with this pooling of knowledge, um, the old ways won't, just won't work anymore. Um, and so the current way of you know, either one CEO or a board managing a company, and of course there is still public interest where you, you make your company public and then it's the, yeah. all the shareholders that, that vote. Um, yeah, you're, you, st you start decentralizing how things work and you start getting to this point where there's 
I don't even, I, it's even hard for me to speculate on exactly what's going to happen. I don't know. Um, but it will take away the traditional business models that people have been using for so long. Well, I'm talking more about corporate level than mom and pop level, um, you know, right. uh, small business. Small businesses will probably continue to go on um, but uh, and, and work the same way they've worked for ages. But uh, major corporations probably won't, might not exist the way they used to if we go a, a, a central core net, you know, uh, with millions of, of human brains plugged into it. I, I said, this is speculative. I have no idea exactly what it is. It's just yeah, postulating. Really um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know if crypto or blockchain in that sense will be, I don't I, it's, I don't know. I'd had to think about this more before I gave you a definitive answer because I don't really have a really good sense at this moment how crypto or not crypto blockchain um, would change neural links or neural maps or uh, uh, you know neurally connected minds. I I, th I think you do have the right idea in the sense that there is going to be separation of people not wanting to be on that network, and I think that's where blockchain is going to come into existence existence where it's they're still going to have that availability to jump into the network without being connected to that central network that's possible i don't know that's far out there but um say for example there's going to be a feature where you can't get paid because everything is connected to the network oh no that i'm actually looking forward to i'm glad you brought that up um i know this scares a lot of people because i've talked to people about it and i really i'm really into it but that's because i see the value Whereas other people are like, well, I still want to hold the cash. I, I, I think I have a $20 bill somewhere in my house. It might be in my car, but I don't use cash. I have a jar of quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies in my desk that I haven't touched in five years um, because I don't use change. I don't want to use change. I would much prefer to never have to use change again. Now, so if it came to change in, 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 in Satoshi's, eh, that doesn't bother me, but I can keep track of that really easily. It's in the cloud. It's up there. Right. You know, yeah. I don't have to go collect scraps of metal in a can mm -hmm. and then deposit them individually one at a time, either into a person's hand or into a machine in order to pay for something. It's so archaic. Um, mm -hmm. But with, uh, you know, digital money, even if it was just you know, like, uh, what's it, uh, what's the program in China? Um it's not whatsapp i can't think of what it's called oh um it's the app that uh, everybody uses um yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um shoot i i even had it too because it's qq i can't remember if that's right or not but let me just say it without saying what the name of the app is because it's not okay. so important it's it's the it's the utility and the idea of it this universal tool almost like venmo is here to some degree um Alipay? Uh, yeah that's another one um any one of these payment things where there's no charge to send money to another person. I think of Venmo because I use Venmo so much, but um, any one of these uh, payment tools uh, that allows you to send money to a person for goods or services. I know there's people are concerned about the loss of the money because they're like, well, well if I'm not holding the dollars in my hand, then I could lose them. Oh, wait, you could also be robbed at gunpoint and then lose them that way too. Um, WeChat. WeChat. Thank you. Um, yeah. but you can pay for anything, anything at all, including your rent or a car, you know, uh, through WeChat. 
it just it's it's the everything app now of course the problem with wechat is that the the uh, ccp has ridic ridiculous control over it and mm -hmm. that they even have a, a was it a, a social like networking factor in it so if you mess make some some uh offense against the government or offense against another person you can be deducted on on the on the system within wechat and then and social credit yeah right social credit basically yeah exactly um that can hurt you just for you having made a mistake i, I think that's wrong I don't think I, I, do i believe social credit can be a good thing yes can it be abused absolutely and is it being used yes it is being abused um but uh that's because the chinese government has control over it whereas if you had social social credit over the world and no one had control over it, then no one can blackmail you into doing the right thing. Um, the, the, so what I basically trying to get at with, the, with digital currency is okay. that it's, it is a good thing. I'm looking forward to it taking over. And I know there are people who are scared of it. <laughs> okay. So what do you, what do you use as a digital payment? Um, like Venmo is what I mentioned before. I use Venmo constantly. Um, yeah, that's what you literally go to the store with and, and use Venmo. Uh, actually, yes, because Venmo, see, this is the thing that's so weird about the United States, obviously. I'm only using the analogy to WeChat in China is that you can use WeChat everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it would be amazing if there was one tool that we could use everywhere. Right now, it's pretty much credit cards. Um, but because Venmo recognized that, you can use Venmo in a credit card format to pay for things that don't use the, what's it called? The NFC interface that your phone has probably. Not every phone has NFC, but a lot of them do. And you can use NFC to pay, which I do sometimes when a place has that available. Oh, you're, talking, you're talking about the, the QR code, right? No, NFC, the near field oh, communications. Um, okay. You like wave your phone over the surface sure. and it pays. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. So NFC, uh, and then, of course, any other digital payment like Venmo, can, you can send money, you can buy things. Not, not a lot of vendors that work with Venmo, Venmo directly that I know of. Um, but you said, was it Alipay? Was it? Alipay was another one. Alipay, uh, Google, Google, Pay. Google Pay is what I use, Google and I've used yep. Google Pay for a long time. And now yep. that this whole uh, COVID thing has been going on, they, banks have actually shut down. They limited their hours. And, in fact, they really don't want anyone going into the bank mm -hmm. uh, unless you have a good reason. So yeah. it kind of forced my hand. Well, not really forced my hand. It just encouraged me to use a digital payment even more, which I, I already have all my stuff set up. So it wasn't difficult for me to do that. I was like, okay. Yep. So yep. I, same here. Just need to use it. Yeah. Oh, I use, I've been using Venmo. I convinced my wife to use Venmo. So when we ever exchange money for whatever purposes, you know, for paying for stuff, you know, eating out or paying bills or something like that, it all goes through Venmo. Um, and uh, it, the nice thing, of course, is keeping track of all my transactions. And, of course, on top of that, it doesn't cost anything. That was my problem with sending money in the past is sending money to almost any entity through previous bank-based services, even though I realize Venmo is owned by PayPal, um, is that it costs money to send money. And you, yeah. as crypto people, we know it costs money to send money. Um, yeah. Like particularly right now with the cost of gas and ETH going up so high and, and Bitcoin um, transaction costs are ridiculously high. Um, mm -hmm. now isn't with Monero, you can send it pretty cheaply, right? Isn't it a flat, flat rate with Monero or no, it's, it's um, nano nano has a flat rate. That's what it is. Um, there well, there's, are there's a lot of blockchains out there that have uh, very affordable fees, but that's only if you actually look at their, um, their trans, their transactions within their blocks, 
more than likely, it's very minimal. It's literally less than 5% of their blocks filled. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's very affordable. Once it starts capping out, then the fees are automatically going to go up just naturally because obviously the way transactions work, for, for the crypto nots that are listening, the way transactions work, pushing them into the blockchain, uh, into each block, the once the block starts reaching its max, then there's going to be a lot of favoritism of who's going to pay the higher fees to, to publish the transaction within the block. But even so, you can always go lower and pay the cheaper. It just takes longer for your transaction to go through. Um, so like with, so, uh, since I think is it with Nano, I can't remember. There is one coin I was aware of previously that didn't, that has a flat fee permanently. I don't know really? how they do it, but they had some system where it's like, it'll never move. It cannot be more than a certain percentage, not of coins that you're using, but it's like 0.002% or something of the transaction. And it'll never be higher than that. I don't remember who, which coin that was, but that, that was how they changed their blockchain, uh, coin. Uh, to basically make sure that the coin cost was never too too ridiculously high, like it is with the popular coins. Um, and maybe no Doge. Doge is only one one Doge per transaction. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter if you send oh. a million Doge or uh, two Doge; it's going to be one Doge per transaction. Interesting. So this, I want to transition into DeFi versus CFI, since okay. we're talking about finances. Right, decentralized finance versus centralized finance, and we kind of already touched on this in regards to China, how they're very centralized. Yep. DeFi, the globe is slowly adopting into DeFi. At least, I think the average person, not really corporations, corporations obviously want to stay centralized. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, with exception of open source corporations. So. Okay. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Like, which ones are? Who's that? Any more nonprofit organizations tend to be more uh, forgiving oh. in their in their techniques uh, because they're not out to make money. I yeah. mean, they're well, out I was, to pay their thinking, constituents, but they're not out to make money for investors. So I was thinking, I was thinking more. I thought, I thought you were heading towards like Walmart. I was like, well, I don't think uh, Walmart I mean, is. Gonna... I, I think of uh, why I moved away from using Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is a for-profit bank. I was tired of their shenanigans, and so I uh, joined a, a local. Um, uh, credit union and I've had my finances going through a credit union ever since. Now, do I still use banks like Wells Fargo? Yes, I do. But that's not where most of my money sits. My money sits mm -hmm. in a uh, credit union because the credit union is interested in its members because its members are its owners. And so in, a, in the DeFi sense, a, uh, a credit union is kind of DeFi-esque. You know, they tend to be nonprofit. They're, they're, they're not there to make money. They're made there to help their members. Interesting. Hmm. This transition, unless you got a little more on that, um, I kind of want to jump into the next topic, which is in economic inflation versus deflation. Hmm. That's a big one. That's a big one because obviously we are going through that a lot right now, especially with trillions of dollars being printed. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, if there are, obviously, we've talked about this already. There are uh, stable coins, ones that are based off the of U.S. dollar, but I don't think they should be. Um, to get to its little no. history, I, I don't know exactly what the current value of the U.S. dollar is at, as at this very moment. The last I checked, which I think was four years ago, um, it was uh, a U.S. dollar is worth exactly 13 and a half cents. Now, like I said, that was in 2016, so I don't know what it is now. 
Um, but you're like, well, how can a dollar be worth 13 cents? It's worth a dollar. It says dollar right on it. It's like, no, it's actual value compared to when it was set, the original value was set, mm -hmm. um, is currently or was at that time 13 and a half cents as of now. That's the reason we see things like, um, what's a good example? All right, automobiles. Uh, over the last 100 years, an automobile went from, I think, uh, Ford's Model T uh, vehicle at, I think $500 was what his price was for one at the time. Um, and that equivalent, so I'm going to pull up my, uh, my list on that now here, um, inflation calculator. So, yeah, while you're looking at that, I got something here. It says a dollar in the 1913 had the same buying power. One dollar in 1913 has the same buying power as $26 does in 2020. Yeah. See, that was, that yeah. was the reason. It was, it was, it's a yeah, 26 to one ratio. Um, and that's the problem is that our money has been so deflated because we've printed uh, the U S government just says, Oh, well, we can just keep printing more money. That's great. Uh, except that, that you drive the value of that dollar down significantly. And we're not just having about two and a half percent interest uh, inflation every year, but we could be five, 10, 15%. And that's what you see happen. And I'm not trying to, um, uh, say these other countries are bad. They're not bad countries, but Venezuela, Mexico, Greece, all these countries, countries, uh, even Belarus and Russia to some degree, um, are losing value of their money because their government refuses to stop printing money. And mm -hmm. it, you see these horrific changes in, in valuation, uh, particularly in Venezuela. Um, I think it also happened in um, Zimbabwe. In, uh, well, yeah, it was Zimbabwe, but I was thinking Brazil. Um, not as badly in Brazil, but definitely uh, worse than the U.S. is, uh, you know, in, I don't remember which which country it was where the value of their coin went from whatever the current value was to one one hundred thousandth of a coin. So it took a hundred thousand of a coin in in a one week or one one day or one week period to, to buy the same amount the next are you, day. Are you talking about a blockchain coin? No, I'm talking about fiat currency. Okay, okay, um, okay. And. That's the problem with inflation or yeah, with inflation. Now, of course, it's a reverse with deflation. You're like, well, the money goes back up in value, but it also uh, it confuses the populace. Like, well, you know, before it was worth this and now it's worth it's worth more. And it 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 deflation actually has happened in the U.S. history. It actually happened between 1890 and 1899. Um I don't remember what the reason was, what the economic change was that happened in the country, but we, you can see it in the history. If you actually go that far back, if you go back to, um, I think it was 1820 to current 18, day. You said 1890? Oh, it doesn't yeah, 1890 okay. to 1899, we had defla deflation in the, in the U.S. economy. Um, I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember why that happened, but there was a, a, a book I read that plotted the chart of exactly how, how inflation had gone. Um, and every now and then we have, a, you know, spurts of deflation where instead of having a two and a half percent inflation per year we only have like a, a 0.9 percent or a 1.3 percent inflation a year um for whatever reason i think i think deflation only happens during war and during exceptionally good um uh times of of uh prosper in, in a nation um i i, I can't say that that's even always the reason but as far as inflation and deflation both of them are at we don't want either one because it's an upsetting of the market. If we had no inflation and no deflation, it would be perfect. If we could just, if we could hold on to that, 
and that would be okay. ideal. So, so then going back to that, you did. I thought I thought I heard you say that you would abolish the dollar. Um, Is that just in regards to the value of it currently? Or no, I would not abolish the dollar. Um, I, okay. If I if I were my choice as to what to do with finance right now, I would raise interest rates from their ridiculously low level right now, um, uh, maybe to you know two percent or three percent or something. And yes, people would hate that, but it would it would help the economy in the long run. And I would also destroy millions of dollar bills that had been put into the into the economy. Um, just take gobs and gobs. I mean, not print but turn all the printers off for printing cash, and then I would also um, destroy probably two or three billion dollars worth of cash in the economy right now. Um, because I don't know how much I, I'd have to think about it, how much would be uh, appropriate, but um, anything that would get us back to making the dollar value higher. Um, but there's a lot of things that could be changed within our economy that I don't have the ability to change and I'm probably not going to. Um, but there are, it, it's, does anybody have the exact right answer? No. Um, we're all still trying to figure it out. Right. And, that, but, and that's, that's a, I think that's the right answer. A lot of people are trying to figure it out and come up with solutions. And that's why there's a lot of cryptonauts out there in the world right now trying to figure out how to secure their finances. Yeah. And they're transitioning over to blockchain tech. They're starting to, a lot, a lot of, a lot of people are mining just because they, they, their money, their currency, their, their, their physical currency in hand is worthless compared to using their computer to mine something digital that is worth something in the world. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, I can't say that the, the, not the intangible hasn't had value, but it was so hard to always put a specific value. The advantage of having crypto in our world today is that it is allowing us to assign a value to a non-physical thing. Like, uh, was it thinking of um, the movie Contact? Jodie Foster and, and McConaughey? Uh, you're, where, you're, you're good with movies. Yeah, I'm like, okay, which movie was that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was one of my favorite movies, so I remember it well. Um, where okay. McConaughey tells Foster uh, there's certain intangible, you know, with the exact phrase he basically says, uh, there's certain intangibles in the world. She And and she's going all on science, and he's, you know, man of the cloth. Uh, and he says, uh, did you love your your dad? She's like, of course. And he says, prove it. Basically pointing out that love is a th real thing. I think we all know that. Um, mm -hmm. But it has no tangibility to it. It doesn't attach itself. Yes, we apply it to things. We apply, you know, we love this. We love this person. This person loves us. But how do you quantify love? You can't really quantify it, although a lot of us talk about, oh, I love you forever, or I love you, you know, times a billion or whatever, but that's not really a quantification. You know, it's hard to quantify this intangible thing that we all acknowledge as being real, right? I mean, we're assuming we do. Um, there's other, there are plenty of other aspects that are all qualitative things. 
that we can't quantitate. But one of those uh, things that has, as of late, since blockchain became a thing, um, come into existence as a non-physical thing that we have now quantified and given a value to and can be traded uh, is a thing in, the, in, in our experience now. <laughs> a a non-physical thing that has value. And we well, have quantified that's, that that's value. That's a crazy connection you just made there. You just blew my mind. <laughs> but that's true. It's absolutely true. And that's what a lot of people that aren't part of the Kryptonaut community does not understand how much value this has, not just in the number value right now, settling at like 10,000, a little above 10, 10K, yep. but how much value it brings to the evolution of, of, the, of the world, not just nations, but the world, yep. right? So a yeah. lot of people are transitioning to mine. They're buying up miners like crazy, not just small people. There's, there's gigacenters out there now that are mining gigacenters. Yep. These are, these are, these are mining warehouses to the crypto, crypto nuts that are listening. These are, or look it up yourself, giga, giga center mining, uh, mining centers, right? These are, these are mining centers that, that use up more electricity than small cities. That's insane. Well, they're basically data centers um, yeah. for mining. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. So you, you mine yourself, right? Yes. Well, I don't mind me, but I mine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, one. the okay. Jake coin. Everybody yeah. should mine the new Jake coin. There you go. <laughs> hey, have, you, have you thought about making your own coin? Uh, I think it was a passing thought, but yeah, it's okay. not something right. I ever really want to dig into because it's not. I realize there is potential, great potential. You're not trying. You're but, not trying but, to scam people. But every coin has to have a purpose other than obviously 42 coin or Dogecoin. Um, but in my opinion, if your blockchain doesn't have a reason for existing, then you're just you're just a scammer. I'm not saying that's always true. I'm just saying that it's often true. Um, so, so this is what's interesting. Uh, there was a couple of um, professional uh, sports players. Uh, I forget which sport it was. I think maybe basketball. Mm -hmm. um, that they're using blockchain tech to create their own token. People can buy their tokens so they can reach a certain value because they're not able to be paid out by their own agency to, to play. That, what? That makes no sense. But you can, obviously the more that they play, the more that they win, the more that their token value goes up because somebody has to buy it, I guess. I don't know. I don't, that's, that's something else. That's crazy. Or another token was when um, another person made their own token saying that if you buy my token and um, there's going to be five decisions that I put uh, five, yeah, five decisions of the day that I put up on my website, you can decide by voting with my token, which decision you want me to do, which is go run for five miles. You want me to go swim for a mile. You want me to go uh, drive to the next state over. You want me to uh, just uh, skip work today or, you know, or give this money to, uh, to, uh, to a nonprofit organization or whatnot, you know, that's people are out there doing this. Obviously, they are. There's some people that are profiting off of it. Other people, scammers, right? Mm -hmm. yep. But anyways, back to mining. You mine. How long have you been mining? Uh, pretty much since I got into coin in 2014. Not nonstop, but I got I learned about Litecoin. Actually, I learned about Bitcoin 
that's the thing. It's just funny little story. I don't know if I told it the last time or not, but I learned about uh, Bitcoin from one of my Sunday school students when I was in when I was teaching Sunday school in uh, Silicon Valley uh-huh. in um, was it twenty eleven or twenty twelve, and he told me about it. He told me that he was buying Bitcoin, and I didn't know what that was. <laughs> And he told me I should check it out. And he said I should get a wallet for it. And I, he didn't explain much. It was kid speak. Uh, you know, he, I think he was like 13 or 14 at the time. And he was trying to describe these things, these concepts to me. And he didn't really have the tools to really properly describe it to me to the level that I would understand. Um, but two years later after that, I realized I was interested in this idea. And so I got into it. And because at the time, I'm trying to remember, Bitcoin was like maybe in the, I know it was more than five bucks at the time. I think that by that point it had reached nearly a hundred dollars a coin. And mm-hmm. I thought that was ridiculously expensive. Like who would pay a hundred dollars for Bitcoin? That's just stupid. Little <laughs> did I know, of course. Um, but uh, I don't know if anyone could have seen the, the, the rise coming that was coming in Bitcoin. I really don't think anybody Anybody who bought Bitcoin in those early days, however much they bought, uh, was just doing it on a whim. I don't think anybody really honestly saw the future as it, as it went. But um, so, I mean, of course, they got lucky, right? Um, I did see the writing on the wall in 2016. I saw where it was going and said, you know, I'm willing to spend 500 bucks on a coin. So at the time I did. But, um, but uh, the... I got myself into Litecoin mining with Ga miners and um, uh, USB it? USB miners. I used USB oh, miners yeah. originally, and I still have those USB miners. They're, they're called uh, dual dual miners. I think they're actually, I, I I had those two. I sold mine. I sold a couple mine. of them sitting on my on my uh, uh, relics. Uh, what's it called here? Uh, shelf. I've got a shelf sitting behind me that I've got two dual miners that are blue USB uh, Bitcoin Litecoin miners. I love those um, things. And they do almost no mining at all, uh, but they were fun. And then uh, when the Moonlander uh, miner came out, I started mm-hmm. using those. And yeah. then when the Moonlander 2 came out, I bought some of those. And so I've got quite a <laughs> few of those and a bunch of you know powered USB hubs. And uh, then when uh, the Ga miners came out, I bought some of those from a guy who, who was done with it. He's, he said it was getting too expensive. Um a little did he know yeah well um it was still all litecoin based stuff it was all script script um, algorithm right and but in then, 2015 litecoin was i think it was sub a dollar right no no it was like four bucks or something four, four bucks? five bucks 350 somewhere in there yeah um and i still wasn't making money on it in fact at one point the the cost of of mining was getting so high and <clears> my electricity i could only do it for eight hours a day when it was uh, the cheap power uh, I signed up for what's called time of use for a living, and then I was getting uh, power at uh, 10 cents a kilowatt, which in the area was pretty cheap because that was PG&E, and PG&E was charging 15 cents per kilowatt. Um, hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, I it I was just doing it just to do it because I was fascinated. I knew it was costing me money; it didn't matter. It was also very noisy, and I, I eventually gave that. Uh, uh, mining hardware away to my cousin who threw it away. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's not where it, the, I think it's, is it five? No, it's not. It, 
the mining hardware, the big server mining I had was only a hundred mega hash at that time uh, on on script, um, and uh, it, it it would it'd be worthless now. It would be pointless because it was four hundred watts and a hundred mega hash. It would, you'd make nothing. Was it, was it a good um, grid seed miner? Yeah, grid seed. Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah, um, that's, and, that's not, yeah, that's what I had, and I sold mine. And no, I didn't. Yeah, but but I do have, and there's one sitting on my windowsill because I was using, I put it up against the win, window so it cooled off. Uh, a um, a bit Bitmain uh, Antminer L3 Plus. I still have oh, two okay. of those, um, and they're 504 mega hash each, but they take 800 watts. Oh so man, they're not really that practical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, technically, I can make money off of it, but I would be technically losing more than I would be making <laughs> and they're very noisy. So that's yeah. um, yeah. not, not really that practical. Um, so yeah, I went back to GPU mining because you can actually make money on GPUs right now. Yeah. There's a lot of blockchains out there that are GPU mineable and that's where, that's where the money's at. Yep. Um, let's see. What was the next topic? Do you remember the next topic? You had uh, what's the best referrals for stacking Satoshis? Oh, yeah. There you go. That's all you because you are Jake Jabberelli. Just a bunch of referral links, right? A bunch of um, referral links. The, uh, the one I was looking at, I think I made a video on it a couple months back, was uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Coinmaker? Coin. Uh, Dang it, I'm not, I have to look at my links. <laughs> um, it is a, I think it's, it's so, a coin one. I think it's coin one. Let me, let me find it. Coin one. So I, I see you have crypto tab. No, uh, shoot. No, I, can't, I cannot think of the name of it. No. Um, there's a company that makes a, Relatively smallish computer, probably like my mini ATX, I think, uh, that comes with a single GPU card built into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you can remove the card, but you really shouldn't. Uh, it uses, I think, 500 watts. I think it's 500 watts. I might be wrong on that. Um, but it's got a, you know, an Intel processor and some GPU, probably a. Five, five, or 570 in it i think it's a 570 but um they're i think 700 dollars, and all you have to do is plug it in sign up with your account turn it on and you start making satoshis um okay that current, still requires you that still requires you to buy some something yes yes the and question that's, is what is the best referral oh so that's that's the best referral well i don't know if it's the best but it's the easiest and what is i was trying to, to let my my um constituents you know viewers and subscribers know on my channel was what's i i mean i did promote for a very long time crypto tab but i'm no longer doing that and i do i would discourage anyone from joining for, well if you want to join crypto tab don't pay for it <laughs> okay. you can totally so, join up using the, the link that if if john here will put the link below for this uh podcast he can mm -hmm. i'm not doing crypto tab anymore i've actually removed it from all my systems because okay. what I don't, um, how do I put it exactly? Did you buy I did, it? I reviewed a lot of uh, Ponzi schemes and pyramid scams uh -huh. to see what, if I could find a legitimate one. And there are ones that work, but none of them will admit to how they make money. 
And that to me is scammy. Okay. This is the same problem with CryptoTab. I know I'm promoting it by talking about it, but I'm only trying to say the problem I have with CryptoTab is it's scammy. I Will see you read the title. It says yeah. retract CryptoTab. Yes, like I re and a lot of people commented on that video and they're just like, you know, you know, people were just like, well, I can make money. I was like, yes, you probably can. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a lot of money into it. I did. I spent the, the maximum amount to do the 10x in the beginning before they had the, the turbo boost thing. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I did make more than my money back. And I still have that video up. Um, in fact, all my content, even the ones I removed, are still available on library. Um, the, at least removed from YouTube. The thing of CryptoTab was, and I'm going to make this clear because a lot of people have been talking about it for a long time, um, even before I got into it, is it doesn't report what it claims to report. It is kind of sending a false flag information. Um, it's like, oh, you can get this much. And so I based, I literally bought a, a Ryzen 9 3900X system to use to... Uh, make more coin using CryptoTab and bought the 10X. And yeah, I did make my money back. I will say that, but that was the only time after, from there on, never. And, and, and I only just barely made my money back. Cause if I, if it had been true, if the, what they've been telling me was true, I would have been making 12 to $15 a day off of CryptoTab. But when I got onto it and started mining uh, with CryptoTab with my new Ryzen system, I was making buck fifty two dollars and i was like okay this is wrong so pardon with 10x yeah with the 10x uh, boost um wow. it should have been like i said nine to twelve dollars a day and it wasn't it never was even though I, I did it for a full month it never reached that number not even close so that convinced me that what they were telling you, and I, I actually had a guy come, go and do this with, uh, with the uh, 3950, the one that's a 64 core. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I think it's 32, but with hyper-threading, it's 64. Um, and he did make more money, but then that, that chip cost four grand. I don't have four grand to spend on that. And if yeah. you spent four grand on a processor in the first place, what are you, what are you trying to mine this with? You're never going to make your money back. <laughs> so... Right, right. Um, Anyways, I guess what I'm saying is that CryptoTab is not, don't do CryptoTab. It's not telling you the truth. If you're going to do CryptoTab, use it for the browser and you might get some Satoshis on the side, you know, a few Satoshis a day. Eh, there are way better ways of getting Satoshis than CryptoTab. Um, if I were to promote it, I would use uh, TipNano. It's an app. I've already made a video about it. TipNano is awesome. It's very simple to use. They do run a couple ads every now and then, but you actually get a pretty decent chunk of nano and nano is worth something so i mean it's not worth as much as bitcoin is but it's still worth something um uh the coin maker thing that i talked about would like i said that's hardware you got to pay 700 bucks per unit to get one but it'll make wow. you 4200 to 5200 satoshis a day um, nice so which is, tool do you use that's 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 a good question because okay, obviously so, there's, there's a lot of tools out there um, I've used lots of different pools, many different pools. I used multi-pool for a very long time with, with, with um, uh, Litecoin pools. But um, I was making Doge and Litecoin. But uh, as of late, I've been using Hive OS. Um, initially, when I got on, I was using NiceHash because it's the easiest. I mean, if you just want, if you just got a bunch of GPU miners or, or ASICs 
and yeah. you just want to make money the easy way, Nice Hash is very simple. Um, and that's what I that's what I refer all my uh, my listeners to Nice Hash because yeah. it's so easy. It's so and, easy. And I'm 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 telling this to my to my crypto nuts because I, I I'm just assuming that a lot of my listeners are beginners, mm-hmm. and hopefully if they want to get into mining, the most easiest non complicated way without using code yep. is just to jump on. Oh. Nice hash. Yep. Nice hash. I was gonna yep. say crypto tab. Nice hash. <laughs> yeah. Nice hash is very easy to get into. Um, and it's actually a really good um, uh, like benchmark for what you're probably going to get from almost any pool. Now, of course, they only pay in Bitcoin. Um, so no matter what they're telling your miner to mine on, you're only going to get Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you're also subject to whatever people are buying from NiceHash. So if they send you over to start doing some random rare rare coin for whatever reason, because there because some person out there is trying to do a 51% attack, uh, your miners are going to redirect and you're going to pay diddly squat. And that's happened to me more than once on NiceHash. So I I didn't want NiceHash to have all the control. So I moved to HiveOS. And the primary reason I moved to HiveOS originally was because I was using four gig cards. And if anyone's into ETH, they know that uh, four gig GPUs don't work on ETH on Windows anymore because we already surpassed the DAG file size. Um, I'm not gonna go into the meaning of that because that's not what this podcast is about in my opinion, but um, the, uh, the disadvantage is that uh, the four gig cards just don't work. You can do Ravencoin, you can do XMR, you can do something besides ETH, but you're not going to make as much money. Um, ETH and ETC or ETH Classic are really the uh, the highest, best ones to do right now and have been for a while. Um, but you need at least a six or eight gig card for that to work. Um, so HiveOS gave me the capability of, of evading the DAG file problem, at least for another few months. It's going to end in October. Um, and I still have some Vorgig cards that I'm still using on that for that purpose, but they're getting to the end of their life um, where I'm going to need to sell them. Uh, so HiveOS gives tons of stats, absolutely amazing information, just tons of interface. If you're a Linux user like I am, uh, you're going to love it. It's absolutely the best tool ever. And it's very graphic. It's very easy to read. It's very easy to use. It takes a little bit of knowledge to set up. And I know I need to re- do a review on my channel of that. And I haven't done it yet. Um, but that's just because as a miner, I make far more money off of mining uh, coin than I do off of my YouTube channel, which doesn't pay me anything right now. So, Well, I'm looking at your video right now while you're talking. and You have, an, I guess, a HiveOS overview, which is your seventh video down. And uh, it's the best way to describe it is it's, it looks very simple with a lot of options. It has it's a lot clean. of options. How about it's clean? The, the, the yeah. GUI is very clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The graphic user interface is very clean, very easy to understand what's going on. Um, and with just gobs and gobs of options. Um, I really appreciate that functionality that HiveOS offers. So um, the one problem I had, which really was a $500 mistake, <laughs> is that uh, a company uh, I looked into called Cramboo, and I, I think that they make a cool, t- cool, um, and useful tool. If you're going to mine GPU mine on uh, Windows, Cramboo is a great. I will definitely plug them. They're uh, they've got good hardware and affordable hardware. Um, it's just Cramboo.com, K-R-A-M-B-U.com. Um, they make 
gaming systems and uh, GPU mining hardware. Uh, or at least they build GPU mining hardware. You can buy the GPUs from them or you can install them yourself. Uh, but the the problem with the hardware they use is it's incompatible with HiveOS. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, like I said, the $500 mistake. <laughs> right now that is Crambu, like you said, K-R-A-M-B-U, Crambu. Dot com. Yeah, Dot that, com. That, like I said, they make they make a pretty cool piece of hardware, and you can get it on eBay, you can get it on um, Amazon. They do sell in other places for probably cheaper than you get off their website. But um, and they're not they're not giving me any kickback for that. This this is just a bunch of this is just a referral link for the sake of referral links, not for money, not for me. Uh, no one, Cram is not paying me, and I I kind of gave them a negative review because of the fact that they don't tell you you can't use Linux operating systems to make their oh, motherboard work. Okay, so you have to use Windows. And they've, they've tested on Windows, but they haven't tested on HiveOS. And I was a little disappointed that they hadn't. I think you can also use ETHOS, but ETHOS has a price. The nice thing about HiveOS, at least for the first four miners you install, is free. So um, Is it four miners now? Oh, I, I, I thought it was... It's one, I... it's one if you do your own mining pool. If you use their mining pool, it's three and then oh. on the fourth. Or no, it's four and then on the fifth one you pay. Okay, 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 okay. All right. So you do have to use their pool, but their pool does pretty well. So I'm not just... So that, I was going to ask you that. So you just answered my question right there because they're not only a mining software, they're also a mining pool. Yeah, they have pool. Yeah, they do have a pool. So Do they have exchange? Um... I don't believe, I don't think they do. No, I don't think they, I don't think they have an exchange. Um, but I don't use them. I just, you know, send it to a different exchange. And I was for the longest time telling my, my viewers and subs to, to, to use Exodus. And I will, I should, I should retract my bad mouthing of Exodus. Exodus isn't totally bad. The may, my major concerns with Exodus is one, they don't let you choose how fast you send coin which for beginners is going to be very expensive. Um, and I'm surprised not a lot of wallets do that. Which Okay, so I, I, sorry to interrupt, but I, I want to know which is the best wallet to do that because I'm, I'm struggling myself with that. I, I want to make transactions, but I want to be able to adjust the, the fee, you know, uh, the value that I want to send to make that transaction happen. I, I can wait a day, two days, a week, and as long as that transaction goes through, um, I'm not in a rush. Yeah, I, best obviously, your own wallet is the best place to do that because you have complete control over it. Um, but not everybody wants to hold an Ethereum wallet on their own computer because the uh, blockchain is so gigantic. Um, same yeah. thing with Bitcoin, yeah. right? Uh, but uh, I don't – I guess I could yeah, – I'm kind of hesitant to admit where I'm storing my coin because because most people can't get an account there anymore. I got an account way long time ago when they were still offering accounts at this particular exchange house. Um, and I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't allow anything except whales to use it anymore. So I, I got in a long time ago when there weren't a whole lot of whales around. <laughs> um, and I, I'm pretty sure they don't allow people to get into this account, this uh, exchange anymore. So that's the reason I don't advertise it. Um, so it's a whale wallet, right? That's what we got. Whales wallet. There you go. Trip nuts. Okay. Whales. No, no, you can you can use you can use something else. I, I I'm just I've been keeping mum about my uh, my uh, uh, whale. Well, the, the it's not yeah the wallet I use because <laughs> I just 
mean, it's unfair to people to tell them about because they probably can't use it. No. So, um, so the the question is, which which wallet? Do you know of a wallet that allows you to adjust the transaction fee? I, I believe I, Binance. I, I, I think Binance does. I think. Really. Um, wow. I know it's more flexible. Uh, the one thing I don't like about Binance, and this is also true about uh, Atomic Wallet, and there's also the reason I stopped uh, advertising Atomic Wallet, is uh, Atomic Wallet mandates a minimum of $30 per transaction. You can't even exchange without having $30 worth of coin in any one coin. And that just bugs yeah. the crap out of me. It's like, uh, if you're trying to, if you barely have $100 worth of anything, then you may as well have it in just one coin. And if you do, your your, your cost of, transa of transacting is going to be so high that you're going to be losing a tenth of all the value you have just to send coins around. And I that's mean, where the big, go ahead. That's where the big solution has been using um, uh, DeFi, was using right. Uniswap, SushiSwap, what hot dog, pasta, spaghetti, mm -hmm. all this stuff has came about because of that problem right there. People got exactly. tired of the inflated fees. Yep. that they started moving their cryptos over to this decentralized exchanges so they could earn not only interest on keeping their tokens there, but also earn more interest in making that exchange happen. Right, right. Somebody wants to buy your token for another crypto, right? They want to do a swap. Mm -hmm. You guys both earn tokens on top of that. Right. So, yeah, this, this problem of <laughs> coin costing so much to transfer i mean back when i got into bitcoin it was pretty cheap to transfer relatively speaking and it didn't take very long but so I, found, I found one of my receipts because i used uh, bitcoin, i went to san francisco and i used one of their uh bitcoin atms out there mm -hmm. um and i found the receipts uh, stuffed in one of my books i was looking at my books and i was like hey what's this it was one of the original receipts and i made when i bought crypto um it was like it was like low $200, man. Mm -hmm. And I won't ever forget that when I went out there because I also used that just so I can make, I, I, I wanted to do a transaction. I wanted to see how, how it, it would work, right? So I ended up buying me a, a, a small um, a Bitcoin logo keychain, hmm. right? It was like $2, $2 worth. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go put, put $5 of uh inside this Bitcoin ATM machine. That's all I had was just Bitcoin in there. So, you know, place it into my wallet and then went to the guy. He goes, oh, this is what we got for stuff for Bitcoin. And then he pulled out his tablet and goes, go ahead and scan my QR code. Bling, there it is, sent it. And I was a happy guy walking out that store. I was like, I made my first purchase using Bitcoin. Cool. That was a happy time. This was years ago. This was way, I think this was before Ethereum even came out. That would have been 2015. Um, yeah, yeah, I think this was probably 2014 then. Yeah, I, I remember in the early days of my interest and involvement, somebody said that they bought a house. I don't remember where. I'm betting it was probably somewhere in, in Northern California. May have even been in Tahoe, um, where the exchange was, I think, the total amount of, I don't know how many coins it was. I just remember the price, the U.S. dollar price was six hundred and thirty six thousand dollars and that well, year was it? Uh, i want to say 2015 i think it was 2015 because it was after i'd gotten into it it'd been, it'd been a year a year after i got in but um i just remember the, the report coming across you can probably find it in the news somewhere but it was 600 plus thousand dollar transaction it was done in bitcoin 
at the time. Um, and so I don't remember how many coins were, were traded in exchange for that, but yeah, it was officially transacted in Bitcoin. Um, wow. It was the largest, I, largest transaction I've ever heard of anybody making any kind of exchange of, of goods and services for, uh, for Bitcoin. Um, and I think the only other thing it was uh, at least of significance was when I was mining um, Litecoin, some somebody somewhere bought ten million dollars worth of Litecoin wow. in one transaction. Wow! And the exchange, the exchange I was on at the time, which is called Multipool, was doing. But we were the ones that found the coin for that transaction, and we all got paid the fee for that transaction. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. I would never forget the first time I, I jumped back onto my computer after leaving it, uh, leaving my miners on. This is when I had gritty miners just all just running, right? Mm-hmm. I left them there for a few days, came back, and I go, that's interesting, because I was uh, earning just fractions of Litecoin at the time. Yep. So then all of a sudden I see, I see this weird num- number in my wallet. I go, wait a minute. That's way too high. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know? And come to find out, I actually mined a block on Litecoin. So I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> that cool. was crazy. Since then, I'm going to confess, a part, a portion of that I traded off for other cryptos and a portion of that I'm, I'm still sour about this. That's what I'm talking with a different tone of voice. I'm really sour about this because the other half, I, tr- I used, um, uh, what is that? The swap token. Um, uh, Shift, uh, shift, coin shift. No, uh, swap. Dang it, something. Shift, shift, coin, shift, swap, shift. Dang it, it's with a little fox. It's a little icon with the fox. Okay. I forgot the name of it, but it's a, it's a, it's a. It's a swap uh, token or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a swap token. Um, with with I think that the the owner of that last name Voorhees. Jason? No, not Jason Boyce. That's that's, 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 <laughs> that's something else. Never mind. So, um, apparently, when I made that transaction, it got kicked back, but never went to my wallet. And I emailed them and emailed them, and um, they said no. It went to it went to uh, this wallet, which I looked at it. It is my wallet, but it never came through. So I don't know what the hell happened. Mm. <clears throat> so that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and at the time, it was only a few dollars. Now it's worth a lot more, and I'm like, "Hey, you know what's going on?" They said, "Nope, can't do nothing about it." Right. Yeah. Was even worse was the coin, uh, the exchange houses. Like I said, I can't. I'm not telling anyone about because I can't get into. Um, I was about to transfer some of the lesser known uh, script uh, coins that I was uh, generating at the time out, and uh, they put a hold on. I mean, I understand why the why the exchange houses do this. They don't want things to get run away, and they do run away. And that's the reason Coinbase was putting holds on things when the price was skyrocketing so fast. I understand the reasoning for it, um, but uh, that happened. The value of this particular coin I was mining went up drastically, and I didn't realize at the time that that this company would do that. They would put a hold on it um, so that they didn't lose all their value at once. But uh, mm-hmm. I think the price went to like. 2300 percent of its of its value at the time and i was in the process i didn't wow. even know that the price had gone up i was just trying to clean out that account and move it somewhere else um and 
I got, I think, halfway through the transactions of moving it over, and then they stopped me. And I was like, but I wasn't done. They're like, doesn't matter. And I was like, uh, I need to move it. And then after they opened the market back up again, the price had dropped back down to like half no. what it was before. And I was like, that's not oh. fair. Why would you guys cut me off? And they're like, well, because we just we couldn't bad. take it. I was like, that's, that's <sighs> you know. Uh, that reminds me, that, 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 that's, that's dirty. That's what Coinbase does a lot. Coinbase they do. is yep. just known for that. I hate that. Anyways, I found out which uh, which exchange that was. That was Shapeshift. Okay. Yeah. So you know, this, I, is, I, I, this is a pointer to you to say you need to get your own copy of the blockchain, keep your own wallet with your own stuff, either cold or local, so that you can transfer whenever you want. Because if you're going to be using an exchange, it, you don't you don't get to do it. So. Mm -hmm. So the founder is Eric Voorhees. Shapeshift. Ah, Eric. Yeah, okay. Eric. I was close. Jason yep. Voorhees. Different, different <laughs> Voorhees. Um, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the reality is, you can't. The average person can't hold their own blockchain. That's not realistic. It's it's not. Agreed. It's it's unfortunate at this point, and that's that's yet another barrier to entry for for uh, cryptocurrency. Unfortunately. Um, so that's where. Um, shoot, I'm thinking of another um, bit that came out, or that's in the works. Uh, that uses was it, like, delegating transactions, I think it was. It was um, they named it after like a, a sea creature, like octopus or squid or um, uh, sentinels. Okay. There was something like sentinels, right? Okay. Uh, basically, where instead of making all these transactions um, appear into the main blockchain, uh, the community can validate through their own um, shit. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked. Uh, it's been a while. Um, the community can validate each other's transactions without it going into the main blockchain. Once there's enough transactions that reach a certain amount of, of data, then it will be wrapped into a singular transaction and placed into the blockchain, which saves the block massive amount of data. Hmm. When thousands of transactions can be can, can occur, and then just one transaction, after there's so many transactions, one will be wrapped. That that the community validated all these transactions did occur. They'll, that one transaction of all these will be sent to the block, and and confirmed there. Wow, that's that's cool. Um, another one was the Lightning Network. That uh, I, do you have a Lightning wallet? I don't think I do. No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, what was it? Let me see. Which one? Which one is available? Um, Blue Wallet is, I think, one of them, and um, uh, Samurai Wallet, I think, is another one. Those uh, Samurai. Okay, I'm telling everybody right now for all the cryptonauts. Here's a nice little tip: get yourself Samurai Wallet because if you want to uh, coins. Uh, not what is it called coin coin swap coin uh, coin tumble coin coin mix if you want to coin mix your your crypto your bitcoin it's all built in to the samurai wallet have you have you heard of that samurai wallet uh, not until you've mentioned it 
oh, dude, you gotta, you gotta check it out. You're gonna be like, dude, this is, blo- this will blow your mind. And, and it's so the, the the amount of data that it holds, you can download it onto your phone. Save obviously save your private keys. You have access not only to uh, a legacy wallet, but you can also have a Lightning wallet there. And then not only that, but you're using um, VPN. Uh, you're using Tor to connect to the Lightning network and mix your coins. It's all it's the the developers did that for the community. Like when you read about the samurai uh, developers and why they created it, that's amazing. Samurai, I'll check have it out. something to read about. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, we're about a minute, a minute, an hour, forty-five minutes in. What do you think we've wrapped this up? Yeah, we did. We did hit all your topics, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was fun, man. I like, I like chatting with you. It's just it, it, a lot of things you talk about. You, 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 you got these an awesome response. I got to give you two thumbs up on that because you, you get my brain going, brain flowing, thinking of new things. Like, wait a minute, interesting. Okay, I like that. You know. So next time, how about this? When we jump back on, I want you to come up with a few questions and ask me, see where my experience and knowledge is at with uh, with crypto in general. Okay. Yeah. All right. I- I'll be honest. I'll be honest right now. I'll be honest. 100%. Um, I'm nervous. I-, I feel like I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, but I-, I think being asked questions of what I know is going to help me clarify and understand what I don't know. Okay. We can do that. Sounds good. So how are you feeling I'm, right now? I, I feel, I'm feeling nervous. You know, actually, no, it, was, it, was, it, it, it was fun. It was exciting. I liked it. Um, <laughs> it was fun. It was great, man. Um, once again, we got Jake Jabarelli at YouTube.com. Do you have another channel or anything I else? I do that actually you want have to a second channel. Um, and it's not going to be crypto related, although I should say that the just a bunch of referral links kind of gave me carte blanche to do whatever I want. I just happened to roll more di- directly into finance related uh, uh, content because that's something I'm interested in. I wanted to I wanted an outlet to talk about the things I'm interested in. Um, okay. You got to send me the link over to Discord or publish it on Discord. Um, yeah, the other one I believe is called uh, Jabberelli Life, and I know uh-huh. that it's not about so much my life; it's about uh, lifestyles, kind of such uh, things that uh, I have a, a very stark interest in uh, real estate. I think a lot of people do, but I'm not trying to sell real estate. I'm just interested in houses, uh, buildings, uh, property. You know, those kinds of general things. And and um, part of the thing that I set out when I came out here to the Sacramento metropolitan area uh, was to kind of develop a new form of living. Not so much how one lives, but in which someone lives. And I realize this is not on topic at all, but um, that new channel is dedicated to real estate and reviewing of real estate. I don't have a lot of content on it right now, uh, so it's not really all that important to, to promote it, but uh, I like... If I can see at least one person, that would be awesome. Yeah, I like uh, 
reviewing homes and seeing how people built things and what they did right and what they did wrong. And I've done this a lot, something I've done in my life, an awful lot. Uh, I actually used to have videos on my original primary channel, which I'm not going to advertise because it's personal. Um, uh, I don't even have any of this stuff out there. It's not, not even public at all. It's all um, unlisted. But the um, I did reviews of homes for a long time where I just walk through and say, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. And I like watching other people do real estate reviews too. So that channel is going to be dedicated to real estate reviews, uh, property reviews, and then ideas about home building because it's something that I, mm -hmm. that's fascinated me for years. Um, so yeah, my current channel, which you can find at just youtube.com slash Jake Jeverelli is also, really the primary uh, channel. Pardon? You also have it on library? Yes, you can find me. Uh, I think it's Jeverelli1 is my primary channel on, on uh, library.tv. Now, are you Brave Verified yet? Pardon? Are you Brave Verified? Brave? Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've been on Brave for a while. <laughs> uh, but are you, is your channel verified to, to, to send over yes, tips? Yes, yes. You can tip me through Brave. Okay. Cool. Do me a favor. Send me those links, mm -hmm. and I'll link it up to uh, not only to uh, the Discord, but I'll, I'll link it here with the, uh, within the podcast if anybody wants to check you out. Cool. All right. I will okay. send you those links. All right. So um, I guess this is our closing. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't close now. It's so awesome to talk to you, Jake. Right. I want to thank you for being on my podcast. I just want to tell you, be safe. There's a lot of COVID still spreading around. Protect yourself, your family. Make sure you continuously wash your hands. <laughs> I don't know if you heard my closing before. Wash your hands, wash your feet, wash your mouth, wash everything. Practice social distancing, stay six feet and further apart if you can, and only go out for essential things. <laughs> even, though <we're, laughs> even though we're kind of moving into the next phase in California, but not only that, be careful with all the smoke and fires out there. You know, there's there's a lot. And on top of that, on top of that, here's another thing. A lot of individuals are being released uh, from jail, from mm -hmm. prison. Yep. All right. Communities are becoming more impacted by these criminals. In other words, I'm starting to see a rise in crime in my community, and I live in a very good community. Um, and it's it's never been like this ever. And all of a sudden, now it's starting to there's there's a change obviously going on. So I'm just saying, hey man, before you leave, always watch your back. Yep. Thanks. You too. All right. All right, Jake. Yep. Thanks for coming on. I'll catch you next time. Yep, till next Adios. time. Adios.